Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We are talking about the event of the hour. (laughs) Globally, like how weird is that to say, right? We don't have to get all apocalyptic and like, you know, all of us had probably, if we're if we're honest, have watched way too many movies, whether they're cheesy Christian movies about the rapture and the end times, or whether it's some ridiculous zombie film or whatever we've seen in our past, hopefully not recent past. You know, we have all these images of like the end of the world rhetoric, right? But listen, the weird thing about that is some of that stuff without making it all emotion-driven, is on a certain level real right now. Like, just, just like the sobering thought that there is a virus, potentially, <laughs> I don't have it and nobody I know has it, but it's at least being purported to be on a global scale. And, and as I keep saying... I've said this in endless conversations over the last two weeks, and even in some of these, excuse me, podcast episodes, whether it's real or not is really not the issue, because even if it's something entirely fabricated, whether this or something else that will come in the future in greater measure, it doesn't really matter if it still incites terror and madness in the governments and kingdoms of men and the people who live within it. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter. It can be entirely fabricated and fake or real and still produce the exact same results. We have to give ourselves to that because it really doesn't matter if we debate <laughs> how did this start? Is it, is it, you know, all these, I don't even want to give that an ounce of my time. All that we know is what it is bringing about in the culture of the earth. <laughs> that is clear. We know that. It's creating chaos. It's creating fear. The spirit of fear is advancing like a vast army across this entire earth, including the Christian church. Listen, friend, do you realize that probably where you are right now, the case is very, very possible, with exception, of course, praise the Lord, that you might not be going to church for months and months because of your own safety? Because of the safety of your neighbor or your, or your friend in the church? And without any question, without like any concern, the majority of the church saying, oh, that's fine. We don't need to assemble. It's okay. We'll have... Anyway, <laughs> do we realize how just subtly fast this has just snuck in on all of the earth, especially here in Christian America? Well, it's not a big deal. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, it's very alarming. More importantly, I just took a break. We just finished part three. I got me another cup of coffee. I'm not sure I need one. Got one nonetheless. Spoke with my awesome, beautiful, wonderful, superhuman wife for a few moments just about like what the Lord is saying and like I was just moved to tears again even as I speak this message man it's just like resonates within me this pattern within these few texts right that we could spend days of dialogue on do y'all realize that like people are saying well what are we going to do what should we do how how many (laughs) 
How many movies can I watch on Netflix? And y'all, seriously, man, get out your Bibles and sit down and shut your mouth and shut off all of the nonsense of the world and study and hear what the Lord is saying. What is the Spirit of the Lord saying? What in the world is being declared out into the nations? Guess what? You might be the one to hear what God is saying in this hour. It could be you. It could be any one of us who position and posture themselves to hear the word of the Lord. So what in the world is the purpose within the pestilence? Well, I believe these scriptures are giving us an answer. Why in the world? People saying in every avenue of life, Christian, non-Christian, everywhere. I mean, it doesn't matter religion. It doesn't matter nationality. It doesn't matter your color of your skin. This is affecting every single person on the earth. You do realize that. This is, this is very unprecedented in the sense that this is a global event. Has my full attention. So I want to know, oh great God, show us in your word, show us according to your spirit who indwells me, show us by revelation, by prophecy, by dreams, by visions, by studying the word to show myself approved. By talking with the brethren, by listening and being in the quiet and in the stillness and watching creation and going down to a mountain stream yesterday evening with my family and raising our hands and praising Yahweh God beside the mighty rushing waters and the sound of creation declaring to all of the heavenlies the glory of God. We're doing these things. Why? To be a people who receive the oracles of God in this hour. I'm saying this all the time, man. I've been saying this for 15 years. You will not hear the word of the Lord while you're flipping channels. I'm telling you. We are a divided heart, a divided, double-minded people. We have got to confess that. Me, myself, if I'm not careful and if I'm not ruling over my thoughts, I will have my phone scrolling something in one hand and trying to pray in the Spirit in the other. We have a problem. We have to just fess that up and mature and get ourselves set on being spiritual men. We have to. We don't, I mean, we have a choice, I guess, but not if you really want to be a man who receives the word of God. All right, so more coffee consumed. Let's continue. The purpose within the pestilence. Man, I'm telling you, I could do this all day. Looks like I might. <laughs> all right, I want to jump to, oh goodness, don't turn there if you have your Bibles out, or maybe you can, maybe you can do this better than me. So we just left off with the why I just proposed possibly the whole 50 shekels of silver issue. Why did David pay that to purchase the threshing floor? Um, why did he do that? Um, did he know about the stuff that was back in Deuteronomy chapter 22 about the significance of a 50 shekel payment for taking advantage of an, of an innocent one? Um, is that in any way connected to the people of Israel? And he, he, took, he took the responsibility to recompense his error. His, um, he took advantage of the people, an innocent, well, not innocent entirely, but you know, he, he took the responsibility upon himself. 
So let's just get right into it before I start babbling and making no sense. In Numbers chapter 1, we see that the census was perfectly executed by Moses, carried out as Yahweh commanded. I don't know if I've got time to read that. Let's flip there real quick. Um, I don't want to miss it if I'm supposed to read it. So let's just look at it real fast. Because this... I don't know if this is the onset or not. I don't, I don't know. I'm not biblically smart enough. But the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness at the tent of meeting on the first of the second month in the second year after they had come out of Egypt. And he said, take a census of all the congregations of the sons of Israel, their families, their fathers, their households, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from 20 years and up. Um, it goes on and on. He just gives specifics about how to do this, and then assemble the congregation together to register the families. So the Lord had commanded Moses in this certain way, so Moses went and numbered them in the wilderness. And it goes on to tell some interesting things about numbers and lineage that I know men now in my life that understand all this, but guess what? I'm not that guy, and that's okay. But what I do know, we see in Numbers chapter 1, the proper institution, if you will, of the census of the census. The Lord commanded it. He said to Moses, hey, come here. All right, do this census according to this, in this manner, upon my word and instruction. So we know that there was a way to do it that was right, and it was unto a certain purpose that David transgressed. We see that he did something on his own volition, his own unction. He himself called for it. We see that Joab said, hey, like, are you sure you want to do this, oh great, wonderful, mighty king? Um, this could be trouble for you and for all of us. He did it anyway. We have seen the results. In Exodus chapter 30, we see that David would have known a lot of these things. Um, let me see. Let's go to that too. I'm flipping all over the place. takes me just a minute because I'm trying to hold this microphone and turn pages. Exodus chapter 30. David would have known these things for absolute sure. Um, Let's just read this in verse 12. Um, When you take a census of the people of Israel and register them, each upon registration, they are to pay a ransom for their life to Adonai, each one, to avoid any what? Uh Uh-oh, breakout of a plague. Again, here we are from earlier. I told you plague most of the time was always this negef, negef, plague. Then you have, of course, we have what we've already talked about, which is the pestilence, which we said um, was the devar, pestilence, and only one time was plague. This plague here is negef. Obviously, it only takes an elementary education to understand that plague and pestilence are very, very much intertwined and similar. So, I found it interesting. I don't have time to divulge all the stuff I found on that. Exodus chapter 30. Why were the people in the census to pay a ransom for their life to Adonai? To avoid any breakout of Negev, plague, among them during the time of the census. So to get back to our original text and begin to even start to move to a conclusion... 2 Samuel 24. Okay. 
It culminates in God being, quote, moved, my version says, by entreaty for the land. And the plague was therefore held back from Israel. Okay? It's verse 25. That was one verse off. Second Samuel 24, 25. David built the offer to the Lord. He offered the burnt offering. He offered the peace offering. And because of this, the Lord was moved by entreaty for the land. And the plague was held back from Israel. Okay, so this, I believe, is one of the keys within this study. This word entreaty, of course, all right, well, the Lord was moved by entreaty. For what? The purchasing of the threshing floor, which we already talked about, was the place, the location of Mount Moriah, where Solomon eventually built the house of the Lord to, to what? To have a, a place, a tangible house and dwelling for the, for the presence of Almighty God to dwell in a natural dwelling in this specific place. And because of that, the plague was held back from Israel. Okay, now this is where it gets interesting to me. But before I move past that, I see my notes right here. I don't want to miss this part. We, if we go back to uh, Exodus 30, verse 12, when you take a census of the people, they are to pay a ransom for their life to Adonai. Listen, this is what I thought. There is a price to be paid. This says a ransom for one's life. Yeshua Messiah completely fulfilled and paid that price. That's my understanding of the now moment of being a new creation reality in the heart exchange life. My life has been hidden with Christ. I have gone into him when I was immersed, when I was mikvahed, when I was baptized. It says that it was a, an appeal to God for a clear conscience. What is that? My identity is moved from my fallen natural Adam self into the perfect last Adam reality, Yeshua Messiah. And so my conscience is clear because he has come into my, he has, he has stood in for me. He has paid the ransom in full before the Father. He has made me clear between myself and the perfect, holy creator, Father God, right? And now I have even in the water baptism, it says that I what? I joined into the death of Messiah. It is literally, it literally took me into his death. I have said in countless messages here on this podcast that I, in imagery, went to the cross, crawled up in, on the cross, and I went into the side of Yeshua Messiah. I joined into his death. I hung myself up with him alongside him as what? The scripture talks about a display, an open display for all to see to every principality and power to say, you know what? Look at this. I am joining myself with the Son. I'm joining myself with the perfect sacrificial act of the slain Lamb Messiah. And you know what I'm saying? It's all in Him. My life is hidden with Him. I am no longer my own. As we've already alluded to several times, I have lost my life for His sake. And therefore, by doing this act, I know in faith that I will in fact find my life because I'm losing it into him and he himself has paid the full ransom and debt and payment to purchase me and own me and make me into the perfect house of God. He has purchased me. He has paid my ransom. So let's get back to what I'm saying. 
The Lord was moved by entreaty for the land, and that led to a holding back of the plague from God's people. Now, this is what's interesting, and boys, follow along with this, because this is another one, man. This stuff is fascinating. This word entreaty, and man, keep, keep, keep Yeshua right here at like the, 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 just the periphery of your thinking, all right? Messiah, Messiah, perfect offering, perfect sacrifice, perfect pleasing aroma that ascended to the Father. This is my son. I'm well pleased. He's awesome. He is it. He's the culmination. He's perfection. Because this word, entreaty, is author. To burn incense in worship. To intercede. To supplicate. To plead. Okay? So like, again, let's, man, I don't, I don't have time to go all the way back to the beginning of part one and make every single point. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, I don't have time to do that every 15 minutes. So please follow along with what we've been talking about. I'll try to do that at the end and just like bring this all around and put a big bow on top. But this word moved by entreaty, God was moved by David's actions. He was moved by David purchasing the threshing floor after he repented, being sifted, being changed by what? This place that was owned by a man whose name meant joyful shouting. He's made, David, this place is made smooth. Why? So that the house of the Lord can be erected, so that the peace offering, so that the burnt offering that we don't even have time to get to either is brought forth on this location and it rises up to the Lord and it moves the Lord by what? By entreaty, by athar, athar, which is a burning of incense in worship, intercession, supplication. So that the plague, which in this, exact, in, in this instance is megepha, megepha, plague, pestilence, divine judgment, and in this case, and I think this is why it's interesting why this word plague is this megepha, the best I can understand, which is very little admittedly, because it says this is kind of like the final chapter of this little event right here. Like the door is closed because we already know that Yahweh stayed the hand of the death angel these verses previous. He said, whoa, 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 that's enough. He says, relax your hand. That's enough. Well, there's still some little median ground here because David is still doing all these things. And then here at the end of this event in in, uh, 2 Samuel 24, verse 25, then after these other things are done and completed and established, God is moved and the plague was held back from Israel. And this is this Megiphah, which is defined as a fatal blow. Man, right here in this millisecond, right? This isn't in my notes or anything. May the Lord speak to us in that. If, in fact, this word plague, megipha, is in here for a specific reason, fatal blow. God turned, God stayed his hand, and God relented. God showed mercy. Why? I would say because David enacted, showed, and demonstrated to us here today, thousands and thousands of years later, This is how you respond to the pestilence. This is how you respond to the word of the Lord coming to the nations in judgment. Divine, righteous, perfect judgment. And the plague was held back from the people of God. The fatal blow was, okay, 
And you know what this word is? The entreaty is the intercession, the worship. The, the, I, the, the, all the incense connections, the incense that, that rose up and is pleasing to the nostrils of the Father. We know that in Scripture, man. I don't even have time for that either. The, the worship and praises of God's people moves his heart, y'all. It's an entreaty to him. It moves him. It stirs him. And it may just, it may hold back a fatal blow. So this hold back, this is atzar. To enclose, to hold back, to refrain, to rein in, to restrain, to shut up, stop, stay, and withhold. So, because of the incense and the intercession that rose up to the nostrils of the great king, Yahweh God, the Lord himself, he was moved to hold back and withhold the divine judgment that was absolutely due his people because of the rebellion and the foolish act of David David the king. Micah 4, verse 12. Many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law. Oh, and here's an interesting word. Even the davar of the Lord from Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. So I I put that in there to bring us all the way back to where we started when we established the the one number off in the strongs of the Hebrew origins of these words of of pestilence and word. That the word of the Lord is going out. It's going out from Zion. The law, the word, the hand of the Lord is going out. And again, just to make this so crystal clear, in the scriptures, clear as, a, as, as can be, pestilence is almost entirely always from the hand of Yahweh. Someone needs to stand up and declare that. Bad things are often from God, initiated by Him. Why? To awaken and judge His people. This is so clear. So my question is, what if the word of the Lord is within and possibly even synonymous with this current pestilence that is upon the earth that most of the church is just squinting their eyes and praying to go away in the name of Jesus? I think we need to follow the pattern of the word. If we're going to cry out for mercy, y'all, we better cry out for mercy for real. We better do it like the men of old used to do. Down in the dirt. I mean, like for real in the dirt. We do know that, right? We do know that people did. You remember the, the message I did two weeks ago about the shakah? About the scriptural pattern of shakah with Mephibosheth in the council of David, right? David the king. Oh, here's David again. What in the world happened? What, again, is a biblical pattern? Broken Mephibosheth, dwelling in the land of Lodabar, lonely, isolated, shameful, physically nothing, 
abandoned, forsaken, forgotten, the king finds out he's exi- he, that he exists. He says, is there anyone in John- Jonathan's lineage? Go find him. Oh, I know this guy. His name is Mephibosheth. He's crippled and broke both legs, lives in Lodabar. David says, go get him. Bring him here. He's going to sit at my table. He's going to eat with me. Well, what does Mephibosheth do? Shakah. He falls on his face, prostrate. He nafel, which is he fell. Man, listen to that. If you've not listened to that message, go listen to that. These are things that change our lives, y'all. These are things that affects our entire, every detail of our lives if we allow it to. This isn't just Bible teaching because it's like, oh, wow, that sure is a good story there in Genesis chapter 4. I like that. No way. This is changing our entire life. This changed the life. This changes the lives of our wives and our children and our neighbors, starting with us. This is no mere topical reading. We've got to bring this to a close. What if the, Lord, the word of the Lord is within and synonymous with the current pestilence that's upon the earth? I'm going to stop this here. We're going to do one more part, and we're going to close the book. I believe this is chapter 4. We're going to make one more part, and we're going to make this series over. I'm, I'm convinced the Spirit of the Lord is trying to teach me something. My prayer is that it's getting through, through this, this vessel of clay, and it's making any lick of sense to anyone who might listen, no matter where you are on this, on this huge earth. That is huge and vast, but yet like a speck of dust. (laughs) Equally so. So stick around for one more part. We're going to do one more of the purpose within the pestilence. We're going to bring it all to a close. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to establish one more point within a couple more scriptures. We're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 33, where there's plague and pestilence. Then we're going to close the door and we're going to say, oh God, speak to us, please. Last part of the purpose within the pestilence coming up next. Amen.